Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. So we have a show for you coming up. It was a fun and, and happy show to record with Chris Barnwall from atthehive.com. But about an hour after we recorded that show, the news broke from Woj and Vertical that the NBA was considering moving the All-Star game, which then turned into the NBA deciding to move the All-Star game from Charlotte to another city. And now we have uh, the official statement from the NBA, which says... In short, that the NBA has decided to relocate the 2017 All-Star Game from Charlotte with the hope of rescheduling for 2019. So there is a little sliver of hope for Charlotte eventually uh, hosting an All-Star Game 2019 being the next available slot for an All-Star Game. But there is a lot of disappointment among Hornets fans because the All-Star Game will not be in Charlotte in 2017. We're going to talk about this more in depth on Monday and break down all of the impacts and the opinions and the issues that go into this. But we wanted to just say, I guess, just talk about how we're feeling right at this moment so that we had something for Friday and then Monday we'll we'll iron everything out. Uh, so, David, how are you feeling? And I ask that because this event is important to you all-star weekend probably your favorite nba event of all of the nba events how are you feeling it really it's it's my favorite time it's my favorite event for some weird reason i just enjoy everyone in one place having a good time and all the cool stuff that surrounds it and was super pumped for for it to be back in charlotte so you know if it was a sudden thing i think i would be more crushed it's just been kind of a a, a slow burn over the last few months and weeks, Doug. And with every piece of news that has come out, none of it has been positive, you know, going in that direction for Charlotte. So I'm certainly disappointed and sad. It's not going to be here. And I guess we should clarify. We're just, we're talking about this from a basketball fans, all-star game point of view, right? We're not getting overly political, but it's, uh, it sucks. I mean, it sucks for people in Charlotte. Yeah, I, I think that my feeling could be classified as, as sad and disappointed yeah. that the All-Star game, the All-Star weekend will not be in Charlotte. I think Charlotte was trying to do, the Charlotte City Council was trying to do the the right thing or what they saw as the right thing, and then Raleigh intervened, and of course we got HB2, which then got the attention of both the, the Hornets organization and uh, the NBA, who has taken strong stances on this stuff before. I don't want to get too in-depth right now. I'd like to talk about this on Monday in-depth, and we can get all sides of the argument. But I'm just... I'm disappointed with a lot of people. I'm disappointed with with uh, the governor. I'm disappointed with the, the NC State legislator yeah. legislature. But I think both sides got entrenched and, and could not come to any kind of resolution that was satisfactory to the NBA. And I think people who are upset with the NBA in this instance, they there is some there is some validity to that because the, the NBA plays exhibition games in China, a place 
that is um, that is very intolerant towards the LGBT community. And so you you have certain people saying that the NBA is sort of picking sides and not being um, equal in in their admonition of places that are uh, intolerant towards the LGBT community. And and then you, of course, have reports that the game could be moving to New Orleans, which would be, uh, you know, just a, a double hit to Charlotte fans because, of course, the franchise moved to New Orleans before uh, before Charlotte was awarded their own franchise again. So it's Triple just hit. they took they took Anthony Davis. Yeah, and they took Anthony Davis. I mean, that's it. You know, it's just a lot of disappointment, a, a lot of sads going around here in Charlotte, and. Um, you know we'll keep we'll keep our eyes on it this weekend, and when we'll have some guests on Monday to talk through this and and figure all of this out. Uh, I think it would be interesting if it did go to New Orleans because Louisiana, a state that is suing the Obama administration for the Obama administration's guidance on how transgendered students should be treated in bathrooms mm-hmm. across public schools. So this is all that to say, David, that this is an extremely complex situation. And exactly, there, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on that's more important than basketball. And it should be noted that HB2, the legislation that's the cause of all of this, goes deeper than the transgendered community. It's a law that we've profiled yeah. uh, more in-depth on past shows that, that damages more uh, than than just transgendered people. And so, again, it's a complex issue. I want to dig into it on Monday, but I felt like we had to say something before we get into this show. I'll give you the last word, David. Well, I think the impact, you know, I think as Woj noted in his write-up on this, you know, the impact for the team and the city is going to be felt. I mean, this was a big showcase for the Hornets. That team was excited about it. Michael Jordan certainly was excited about it. And it's a showcase. You know, you've got the whole league in your backyard. You've got prospective players coming in to see the city, and they were planning to put on a good show. And I think that's the most disappointing thing, uh, aside from the events not being here and all the fun weekend to be had for the fans here. I mean, if you're looking at this team that's trying to grow and trying to build and was really at a place that they were ready to show off, right? They were ready to, to kind of put their best foot forward, and now they won't get that opportunity. So I'm like you. It's, it's sad and it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, those immediate reactions – are about all we can come up with right now, Doug. So uh, we'll, we'll dive more into it, but that's that's the gist of it. I said I would give you the last word, and then I lied because you brought up such a great point. <laughs> I went point. on forever. Well, you brought up such a great point, and, and here's what I wonder. You know, Charlotte, w- with getting the Hornets' name back and bringing that back to Charlotte, did a lot to bridge uh, the gap with some fans who may have been hurt or done with the NBA after the franchise moved to New Orleans. That 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 train started going down the tracks, and I think the All Star Weekend could have been a culmination, a, a, a bringing back of all of those fans and getting them back on board with with the NBA in Charlotte. And now you wonder it's certainly going to stop that momentum. And now you wonder if it even sets the team back with the community. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Again, it's a complex issue that deserves more than the seven minutes we've given it. We'll talk more about this on Monday. It's more than basketball. It's more than the disappointment that I, I know a lot of Hornets fans, including us, are feeling. But hopefully this show coming up with Chris Barnwall, this fun, happy show, will do something to soothe a little bit of the disappointment, and, and we'll talk again on Monday. It's time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. 
It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the Sultan of the Sneaker, the Jack of All Jordans, the King of Cool Kicks, David Walker. David, what shoes are you wearing right now? And if you're not, I know you're at work, so if you're not wearing sneakers, just lie to me. Just tell me what Mm. awesome shoes you've bought lately that you're wearing. Tell you lies. Tell you sweet little lies, Doug. Sweet Um, little Jordan lies. I'll tell you, I'm wearing the uh, the new KD nines, um, which I wore. I did wear them last night, and they are delightful. Oh, you wore them last night to dinner, or what? Uh, to to a classy ballroom dance? What did you? How, where did you wear these KDs? I played in an actual basketball game last night, Doug, and it went, it went surprisingly well. Oh, what were your stats? I mean, come on, give it up. Ooh, stats. You know, I'm not really a stats guy. We didn't get the W, Doug, which <laughs> is the most important stat. Whatever. But, uh, but you know, I, I want to say like 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 2 from the line, something like that. <laughs> All right. We are now part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hyper-local, hyper-intelligent sports talk wrapped up in, in the neat package of a podcast uh, we're spending the rest of July recapping the Hornets offseason here on Locked on Hornets. We are returning live this fall exclusively on our YouTube channel. You can watch us and chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information about when exactly we go live. You can email your thoughts, your questions, your HBO Now passwords to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. If you have a business or product that you'd like to advertise on the show, email us for more information. Again, that email, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. All right, before we get into our main topic, we've got a great guest, Chris Barnwall at thehive.com, coming up, Summer League Recap. But I wanted to take a moment to go to the forum boards, go to the comment sections on at the hive, and get some feedback from our smart, intelligent, wonderful, hardcore Hornets fans listeners in a segment we like to call Forum. I hardly know them. Please listen carefully. Our first commenter is Bring Back Primos. Great name. A little Bobcats throwback there. Primos Brezic. Brezic? Brezic? I don't know. Bring Back Primos writes, Glad the podcast is back, but I do have to mention I had my lol moment on the most interesting off-season story question uh, what was that? The last episode? The episode before that, David? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something uh, like that. Yeah. Your, oh, it was with Nada. Yeah. So this was the first episode. And uh, most interesting offseason story question. One answer was game seven. While awesome, uh, not the offseason. And another mentioned how dangerous Detroit might be. And while I agree they are on the way up, I'm guessing he was really impressed with the John Luer and Ish Smith signings. <laughs> Ooh, David, Oof. he burned He burned you, and he burned Nada on that one. He double burned. I mean, I'll let Nada defend himself next time he comes on, because we're going to have him on again, for sure, even though he's leaving town on us. I mean, that was a, that was technically an off-season uh, moves, I guess, for Detroit. But, you know, for me, Doug, I mean, what what is the off-season? You know, we didn't clearly define that. It was my off-season. It was the Hornets' off-season, just because there were two teams playing actual games that matter. We're just going to say that was not the offseason. I guess so. In retrospect, it's called the postseason for a reason. So that's fine. That's fine. If, if he wants to call me out on that, um, it's If you want to get technical. Point. No, you're getting really you existential want- with your basketball seasons. 
Uh, I just, I mean, he got you, he got Nada. Didn't really comment on mine. I feel like I have almost like survivor's guilt now that I did. What was yours? What was yours? Mine was the Orlando. No, the Orlando Magic. The three word (laughs) debacle. Okay. Next one comes from Stud Muffin Fifteen. Stud Muffin, I, I'm not making these up. Stud Muffin 15 writes in reference to our Steph to Charlotte discussion. I would point uh, Stud Muffin 15 writes. I would point to Washington and its failed attempt to get KD as a harbinger of the Steph to Charlotte narrative. First of all, Stud Muffin, great use of the worst. First of all, Stud Muffin, great use of the word harbinger. Don't don't see that enough, David. Harbinger. Yeah, Stud Muffin fifteen. Uh, that was good point, and I've heard that. I've heard that as well, Doug. But honestly, we mentioned the other night. I just there's nothing out of bounds at this point. Nothing could come as a surprise. You know, KD to Washington was a major crash and burn for sure. But I mean, KD to Golden State that came kind of, you know, that's that's shocking. That would have been shocking a year ago. So I mean. I don't think you can really compare one thing to the other, especially when you're dealing with players and hometowns and teams, and there's so many factors. I mean, it's a valid point, but you know, the comps are, are, are I think, end with the fact that there's two hometowns involved. Well, David, I, I think it is an important point, though, because when you sort of study why KD decided not to even entertain Washington's uh, advances or or the idea of going mm-hmm. back to Washington, I, I think KD felt a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure from fans, a lot of pressure from family, mm-hmm. and, and that uh, made him shy away from that option. And so I think it's important right. as we discuss these this idea of Steph coming back to Charlotte that the fans don't come on too strong, that the pressure, the bo- oh, no. that it doesn't get to the boiling point that don't. KD to DC got to. Don't freak him out. Don't be a clinger. But um, the other thing you have to remember, <laughs> Doug, is you know why did KD go to Golden State ultimately? Because he wanted to win championships. Exactly. And Steph has already won a championship, right? And he already has two MVPs. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to be the, the, the last ending factor, but, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the factor for these guys now. They want to go ahead and get those rings. If Steph's already accomplished that, you know, maybe he looks at it differently than KD. KD didn't look at Washington as a as a championship destination, I don't think. And I'd also say that Charlotte, I think, in my humble opinion, and we're biased a little bit being here, a little, I'd say a little more solid foundation, a little, or at least what they're trying to build um, culture-wise. It's just a lot of things are up in the air in Washington. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, they but Washington, they did have John Wall, and they had the possibility of bringing yeah. back Bradley Beal. So I think talent... Not across the board, but I think right. in terms of star talent, Washington had more. But they, and DC is sure. a different beast. It's it's a different kind of city than than Charlotte is. I think Charlotte would be uh, less of a less of an, uh, a place where a lot of that pressure would build for Steph. And Steph obviously has the connection with his father. Okay, you don't know what the guy's thinking, but we're just saying. Yeah, it, it is an important, I think, comparison there for 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 Stud Muffin, even even if it doesn't even if the parallels aren't exactly there. But I have to say this, David. Think about this. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson are all in Rio for the Olympics. They're bonding. They're learning each other's game. Steph Curry is not. And we saw with the Hornets going to China last offseason, there was a bond that formed between the entire team. And and Steph may visit Rio, I don't know, but it, it, I don't think that bond is... 
necessarily forming with all four. I'm just saying. What do you think well, about that yeah, theory? He's, he's not there. I mean, there's also been that theory that's floated out there that Steph, especially over this last year, last end of the year, is kind of not in that that cool guys club, you know, the banana boat club, if you will. Um, I, mean, I, I, can, like, I can relate there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and not that he's an outcast or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, there's something to that, I think, of what you're saying. Those three guys are certainly going to have more of a connection on the court and off the court uh, once the, the season starts. But, I mean, if I'm a Golden State fan, I'm not worried about that at all. I, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. There's so much time between now and then for this stuff thing. Uh, to Charlotte, that if there's any, if there's any realism to it, you know, we'll see it come. But um, again, Stud Muffin 15. I mean, it, it is a good thought with so many guys moving around now, and LeBron started this whole thing with going back home, right? So you just don't know what guys are are thinking. And uh, you raise a good point though with the chemistry thing. I mean, that's one of those factors. I think you you could look at it from any angle and talk yourself into a valid argument for uh, him leaving or him staying. Well, listen, large decisions start small. And, and narratives mm. normally start with little small things here and there that you start to notice yeah. and go, hey, wait a minute, there, there's something off. So, you know, if if they don't get off to a great start, if there are chemistry issues between Steph and the rest of the guys, I, I you know, I, I think it's it's certainly a possibility that, that Rio could have something to do with it. And it could have nothing to do with it. But it is fun to right. talk about. All right, we're taking a break from our free agency recap to look back at Summer League this episode, which didn't feature a Hornets draft pick or last year's draft pick, but still could be important for the development of the Greensboro Swarm. Here to help us, he covered Orlando Summer League for At The Hive, Chris Barnwall. Chris, welcome in. Yes, I survived Orlando Summer League. It wasn't easy, but I survived. Wait, wait, hold on. (laughs) I'm curious what it's like to cover Orlando Summer League, because it can't be. is Is it grueling? It's not grueling, but I mean, it's definitely not like the people that go to Vegas summer league. What's difficult for them is like they're going out on Vegas at night and then staying up till three a.m. then going to watch terrible basketball the next day. Orlando's not grueling. It's just by the end of the week when you're there at seven, when you're showing up to the arena at seven a.m. for an eight a.m. game between the Hornets and Mavericks that literally decides nothing besides positioning in the final standings. You have a real moment to just reflect on your life. <laughs> well, let's and just reflect on decisions made and enemies that you've earned. Maybe some at summer league, some outside of summer league. Yeah, a lot the of time outside of summer league that sent you to summer league. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's uh, Chris. Let's take some time to reflect on Aaron Harrison, the only player under contract in Charlotte playing for the summer league team. What were the expectations for Aaron Harrison entering summer league? Okay, in the summer league, it was kind of weird watching him because you could tell that he wanted to do more, but he was trying to fit, play a role. He was clearly he was the only guy there with any actual NBA experience. You had some other guys who'd been drafted by NBA teams, but they had spent their entire career so far in either the D League or Europe. Harrison was the only guy who had played like any minutes at all at the NBA level and like been under a contract. So. Obviously, they valued him, but they valued what he was doing, but they didn't seem to really be interested in, like, analyzing him or using it to get him to learn much. The way they played him was, remember how last year he played a lot of point guard? Mm -hmm. This year, it was, like, all off-ball stuff. It was, like, you know, 
small forward, shooting guard. I don't know if that means it's the end of the Aaron Harrison point guard experiments or if it just meant that they were trying to like use him in a different way. So it was really difficult to judge him or get like look at the expectations for him because they were clearly playing him in a different way that doesn't always work well in a summer league setting because let's be honest, summer league is really nothing more than a high quality pickup ball. So when you have this guy who he's still young and he's relying on other players who are all trying to get there to get him the ball in positions to score, like there's it's really difficult to judge. Yeah, I wonder if it's a recognition that at least for this season they've uh, secured the backup point guard position and the third point guard position by bringing in Brian Roberts, but they may be thin at, at every wing, other wing position. I wonder if it's some sort of admission that they may need uh, extra bodies at the wing. Right, or it might be that the, that's how they want to develop it in the future, because I know with a lot of wing players, what some teams will do is they'll draft them, and they'll spend their rookie year playing point guard so that way they can kind of understand how NBA offense works. And then when they start playing off-ball, they have a better understanding of how offense works and where to be. So I'm wondering if they were kind of going with that for him. And then, obviously, there was the other role that he played in summer league, which was, it's weird to have a summer league leader, but you do need them. Guys, like, you know, take somewhat of a leadership role, and he definitely had that. He was usually the person barking out orders on the floor, even when he didn't have the ball. He was the most vocal with them. I don't know what that looked like behind the scenes, but on the floor it was very clear that he was trying to be at least somewhat of a leader. Let's talk about Frank Kaminsky. He missed Summer League, but he had a pretty good doctor's note after he underwent a procedure to repair a small pocket of air in his chest wall. Wasn't even aware we had chest walls, but we do, and he had a small pocket of air in his. He sidelined for six weeks, Chris. How much do you think missing Summer League will affect his development this season? To be honest, Probably means nothing at all as far as he go as far as he goes. Summer league. What summer league usually tells us is if he had played at summer league, like let's say he was awful, that would have been a terrible sign because PJ Harrison was uh, at summer league last year and he had a very poor summer league and it was kind of like a, ugh, that's not a great sign. And then if you remember correctly, he came into the season had a poorish had a very poor year and then got traded. So that kind of shows uh, at least. It's kind of, with sophomore players, it kind of shows, gives us a benchmark, like, all right, how far how far along is this guy? Because you want to at least see a sophomore player playing well. So he's not going to lose anything by not being at summer league. We just kind of, all of us, missed out on a chance and would be like, okay, how much has this guy actually improved over the year? And can he go up against these guys who are definitely, who the majority aren't NBA players, and at least show that, yes, he's an NBA player playing among non-NBA players right now. Let's look at some of the lesser-known names that filled this year's roster. Starting with Gabe York, played four years at Arizona. He earned second-team All-Pac-12 honors. How did Gabe York look in Orlando? York was fun. Like, um, it's on Summer League, he was one of the more fun players to watch just because he would have these moments where he would just also start dropping buckets. You know, dribble this way, dribble that way, step back, shoot it, goes in. He was all over the floor certain times where it's just like he's over here, he's over there. Like I'm pretty sure the first game he covered every he covered every inch of the hardwood, which was kind of fun to see. So like he was energetic and he scored a lot. Although I wouldn't say he looked like an NBA player because mm. as much as he was scoring, 
it didn't look like he was helping in a team sense. And again, this is really hard to judge because it's summer league and players are trying to get theirs and prove that they belong. But like he would score and be like, okay, you scored a bucket there, but how did you help everyone else by doing that? It just felt like you kind of helped yourself, which in a summer league setting, that's fine. You're helping the team by scoring. But as we all know from watching some of those older Bobcats teams, when Kevin Walker used to just have to dribble around and try and score for himself all the time, like that's, that doesn't equate to an NBA offense, and it won't be effective. How about Deshaun Thomas? He's played in Europe in the D-League. Reports are now that he's working on a one-year deal with a Turkish team, but that contract would have NBA outs in case he does get a call to come back to the States. Did he do enough in Orlando to warrant a camp invite from the Hornets or or really any team? I thought he did enough to get a camp invite. He wasn't incredible by any means, but I thought he was a solid player. He showed that he had a good he showed that he had skill. He was definitely one of the better players out there. But he is kind of reaching the older side, and you get these players where they're men playing among boys. Like, they're, they've played at pro levels before. Now, Thomas, in particular, has played, like, at the highest pro levels in Europe. So he has, lots of, he has lots of experience. Like, if there's a step below, like, the NBA pro experience level, it's probably the areas that Thomas was in Europe. So he definitely has a lot of that experience. So that might have hurt his case in getting a training camp invite just because, like, while you're looking good at summer league, but that doesn't really impress us that much. So I thought he was good enough to get a summer league invite. Uh, not a summer league, a training camp invite. But if he doesn't get one, I won't be shocked because it's not like he was dominating out there. He just looks really good. If there are steps below NBA-level play, I wonder how many steps uh, David and I would be below NBA play. I'm thinking... <laughs> like an M.C. Escher type of endless staircase. I think that's where I would be somewhere. <laughs> David, I don't know about you. How many steps do you – you're playing in the new KDs, I hear. You're playing uh, pickup games in the new KDs. How many steps uh, did that take you towards NBA play? They moved me a half step forward, so I'm just a half step above you. I bought, I bought some uh, stutter steps recently, and uh, those would be like a quarter step forward. Right. I um, But – Man, it's just those NBA scouts, they just don't seem to like guys that get winded after running for two minutes and uh, can't shoot. <laughs> I don't, Weird. I don't know what it is. That's odd. <laughs> I will say that I, will, I was talking about how bad the NBA basketball, or the basketball was assembly, but really there are moments where you're watching these guys, you're like, wow, these are the players that aren't going to make it to the NBA. That just shows how good these guys are. Mm. Like, these yeah. are the guys not going to the NBA – and they look. They had moments where they just looked absolutely incredible. It's like if you put them on some random blacktop anywhere in Orlando, they crush everyone. Like they were clearly a, they were clearly the elite players of like the world, and they're still not as good as the players in the NBA. That just kind of a, that's just one of those reminders. Like these guys are really that good. Yeah, I, I find the the summer league process and really the the process to get to the NBA so interesting because. I, there are obviously practices that the media isn't privy to, but at the same time, I feel like these guys have to go out into this summer league uh, situation with players they don't normally play with and showcase guys themselves. Never met before. Yeah, exactly, and showcase themselves in a very, very short window of time, and and it and it affects the rest of their life essentially. Very, very high stakes for everyone involved. Yeah, it's just a really interesting scenario. It's like you got these guys are playing. Three games. They're playing five games and seven or six days or whatever it is, and they have to really showcase themselves. But they also have to play to the point where it's like 
look, I can be on a team. I can be part of what you're doing. Like, I'm not just an individual selfish player. It's just, that's really difficult to show at times. And some guys, they show out and they look really good. Uh, the Heat in particular, I think they signed like two guys off of their summer league team who both looked really well. Well, the Hornets, obviously, they don't really have the roster space and they were probably looking more for their D-League squad, which is uh, where I think uh, you mentioned Gabe York earlier. I think that's where he's going to end up. Well, let's move on to a lighter but probably higher rated topic than NBA Summer League, and that's Pokemon Go. Chris, I know you're a big fan of Pokemon Go. David, I know you are not. I, I think it's what? a... <laughs> I've heard of it. I'm just, I'm not a participant. So maybe, maybe you can teach us something here, Chris. Okay, I thought I thought I was about to have to start swinging or something. Like, I'm not here to I'm not here to talk Pokemon Go, not to defend Pokemon Go. Like, I don't think I have to defend anything here. No, listen, no. I, I think it's a I think it's no. a great game, but I'm waiting I'm waiting for the game to come out of what has essentially become a very public beta. Like, it 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 zaps my phone, it crashes all the time. I, I told my friends I think it's a great game. I'd love to play it someday. So once I can play it. <laughs> I will. I think I could jump on board because Pokemon was a, was a very uh, a prominent part of of my childhood. All right. No, so, I totally, I yeah. totally agree with that. Like, all right. So, in honor of its overwhelming, suffocating popularity, Chris is going to help us answer a question. I know so many of you out there are asking: If my favorite Hornets player were a Pokemon, what Pokemon would they be? Chris, let's start with the captain. I choose you. Kimba Walker. All right. I think Kimba is Doug Trio because Doug Trio is really, really fast. Like, ridiculously fast. He gets in those quick hits. But you can't really rely on Doug Trio to be, like, the the Pokemon carrying your team because Doug Trio has really poor defense. And Kim, when you throw a punch at Doug Trio, it's just... It's very you know, effective. Doug Trio gets down. I love Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker's awesome, but we've always been debating forever, it's like, is this the kind of guy that you build your team around? I think everyone kind of agrees. Walker's a very fun, good player, but we wouldn't really build your entire team around him as your, like, he's not your superstar best player on the team, but he's still, like, that fast go-to guy, gets you some points, or in Doug Trio's case, gets you some damage, you know, kind of, kind of uh, Pokemon. If Michael Kidd Gilchrist were a Pokemon, Chris, what Pokemon would he be? Michael Kidd Gilchrist is Gyarados. Because the early part of his career, he was a Magikarp. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and MKG works there. It's it's, uh, the letters, yeah. Hey, exactly. He couldn't shoot. He had some... But there was all this endless potential. And that's all we always talk about with MKG. All this potential with him. And you know what? We start. We're starting to see later in his career as he's evolving, he's becoming this ferocious force that can do like just almost anything. Obviously, there's questions if he can shoot or not. Still, but whatever. This is for fun. We're not analyzing him right now. Like, Gar- MKG is Gyarados. He's a ferocious beast, and everyone will like him on their team. If Nick Batum were a Pokemon, what Pokemon would he be? Nicholas Batum is Eevee. Because Eevee can be just about anything you want Eevee to be. Eevee can be a Flareon, can be a Jolteon, can be a Vaporeon, can be an Umbreon, can be an Espeon. Eevee can be anything. It has a billion evolutions. But two, you stick him onto your team, and you can make him be just about anything you want him to be. 
Now, just like Eevee, there are certain Pokemon you can evolve into and suit that aren't so good. Hello, Flareon. And Batum, there are positions you could play in that where he wouldn't be as successful, but you know what? He'd still be good. So Nicholas Batum is Eevee. He can do just about anything he wanted to do. I like that. Eons of, of potential. And, and Eevee, I think they're very desirable. People are out there in, in Central Park looking for Eevees. And, and Nick Batum was definitely very desirable in the offseason. And luckily, the Hornets were able uh, to snag their Eevee. All right, let's move on. Frank Kaminsky. If Frank Kaminsky were a Pokemon, Chris, what Pokemon would he be? This one, I have no real reason other than it's goofy looking. Mr. Mime. All right, I like it. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky's goofy. Mr. Mime's just a goofy-looking Pokemon. Like, that's sort of the only reason I have. Did Mr. Mime... Uh, now, uh, it's been a while since I've seen the cartoon, but did Mr. Mime dance? I feel like he danced. I'm pretty sure he danced in an episode or two. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to check our, our Pokédex. We'll have to, to check and the I'm Pokemon sure remember- I'm sure our commenters <laughs> will definitely let us know if we were wrong. Oh, I'm sure they will. They're, they're all just so honest. Pokemon. All right, <laughs> let's move on to Roy Hibbert. This is our final one. Chris, if Roy Hibbert were a Pokemon, what Pokemon would he be? I had a hard time with this one, but I think Roy Hibbert's Weezing. Because Weezing's a physical defensive wall Pokemon that has potential to be a slightly good offensive Pokemon. Because it has Sludge Bomb, it has Toxic, like it can hold its own on offense. What you really get Weezing for is its rock-hard defensive power. And that's what Weezing brings you. And Roy Hibbert... What did the Hornets bring him for? They brought him in for his defense. Now, he might be able to show some skill on offense. If he does, that's a bonus. But that's not what you're expecting out of Roy Hibbert. You're expecting his defense. What you expect out of Weezing is defense. Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming in and talking Summer League, but more importantly, for talking Pokemon Go. We really appreciate it. Pokemon over everything. Catch all right, just because we're in the dead of summer, David, a, a lot of people out of out of college, out of out of regular school, uh, those of us with jobs, we don't we don't get a break, unfortunately. But just because we're in the dead of summer doesn't mean we can't learn something. So now it's time for a segment, a new segment called "Let's Do the Math." The sum of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. That's a right triangle, you idiot. Do. This is from NBA Reddit user Beer and Beer. Andre Drummond is almost as likely to hit 13 free throws in a row as he is to be struck by lightning. David, either way, 13 free throws, even if he makes 13 free throws or gets struck by lightning, I feel like that's really unlucky either way. So it goes free throws, lightning, shark attack, right? <laughs> Sharknado. I think it's it's shark, 13 okay. free throws struck by lightning. Uh, the the arena is hit by a Sharknado. Staring, shaking, into Thanks again for listening to Locked On Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, if you don't mind, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. If you'd like to advertise with us, hey Kevin Durant, he David is already wearing your shoes. Who makes the Kevin Durant's? Nike, Nike, Not, of course. I don't know. Listen, I'm. Not, this is why I defer to you. Don't, don't act like I'm supposed <laughs> to know who made the Kevin Durant. I am not a shoe aficionado. I mean, That's on, why I have you on the show. 
All right, okay. so Nike, if you if we're already talking about the KDs, so listen, if you want to if you want to give us a give us a buzz, email buzz yeah, buzz. Yeah, Nike. If you, need a, if you need a little push, <laughs> right? Phil, little I think Phil uh, Knight yeah. needs to access the Charlotte market. I don't think there's anyone else in the Charlotte market that could help Nike access this city. It couldn't hurt. Oh wait, Michael Jordan. All right, buzz buzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. We're back next week with five more shows recapping the Hornets offseason. For David and Chris Barnwall, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Have a great weekend, and let's swarm Charlotte. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.